0: Okay, welcome back to Roadcase, everybody. I'm your host, Josh Roseburg. I am so psyched to be here for this special episode featuring three different in-person interviews that I conducted last week at the Pitchfork Music Festival here at Union Park in Chicago. I'm so psyched to bring these to you. It's an amazing uh, collection of extraordinary female artists with a variety of different styles and uh, each having a unique international background. Uh, It's just a a wonderful episode. Um, I'm really happy to bring that to you. If you are here at Roadcase for the first time, welcome to the Roadcase community. If you are a returning listener, thanks so much for your support. I'm so happy to have you along for this ride. Um, There's a number of different ways that you can get involved in the road case community. Really easy ways to follow us on the socials, uh, really helps out the show as well to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. We are at road case Pod, uh, If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can email us at info at RoadCasePod.com. We also have a website, www.RoadCasePod.com, where you can find out more information about the show. Uh, while you're here, I wanted to tell you there's a really easy way to help support RoadCase, and it really helps out the show, and that is to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. If you're on Spotify, you just hit that little box that says follow. Uh, and if you're on Apple Podcasts, for example, you just um, hit that little check mark up in the upper right-hand corner. And also, while you're on those two platforms, allow you to review the show and rate it, and that really helps out Roadcase. I'd really appreciate it if you can do that uh, on Spotify uh, at the homepage for Roadcase. There's a little box with a, little bunch of stars on there just click on that uh and that'll uh, indicate that you rated this podcast as well as on apple Podcasts, you just scroll down a little bit there's a bunch of stars you can rate and write a nice review as well so I'm really excited for this episode. I hit the road, actually just like three miles away, drove my car over there to Pitchfork Union Park and did these in-person interviews, uh, a couple very, three very brief ones with uh, extraordinary artists. First artist up is Senya. Rubinos, she is a uh, lovely singer and a wonderful interview and conversationalist. I just had the greatest time talking to her. She, I also found out she's a My Morning Jacket fan, which is uh, amazing. And uh, she also has uh, her husband is from Naples, Italy. And of course, uh, if you're a regular listener, you know that I lived in Italy for a little bit, so that was really fun to learn her latest album, Una Rosa, was out last October. Is a just a wonderful. Um, complex and sort of cinematic production, which is really reflected in her live show as well, which I really encourage you, all of you to go out and see. Her music reflects this. Amazing kind of deep connection to family and all these variety of cultural forces that have pulled her in a number of different directions. She is a daughter of immigrant parents um, from Puerto Rico and from Cuba, and they really encouraged her to pursue music and were key to her development and just really supported her in a very unique way. She also studied music at Berkeley and studied jazz composition there. Uh, Secondly up, we have Kaina, um, who writes some very personal lyrics her her most recent album, It Was a Home, is kind of an ode to growing up and family and community with a variety of different influences, not the least of which is classic rock, as we've learned. And uh, um, she's still a lovely human, and I just had a really great conversation. She lives in Chicago, so we've gotten a lot in common on that front. And she's also... Um, a child of immigrant parents uh, from Venezuela and Guatemala. And she loves the importance of community, and that's really infused in her music as well. Uh, historically, she's been a supporter and as well as a beneficiary of youth programs in Chicago. Um, she's got this stunning personal authenticity and enthusiasm that's super infectious. And I know you're going to love uh, this conversation that I had with her. Uh, last up is Aruj Aftab, who is the 2022 Grammy winner for Best Global Performance for the song Mohabbat on her 2021 album Vulture Prince. Uh, she was born in Saudi Arabia and grew up in Pakistan and has lived in Brooklyn uh, for a number of years. She also went to Berklee School of Music. Um, her songs are just extraordinary, um, meditative, contemplative, but also with kind of like rocking undertones and um just a very interesting uh human who um who has a sort of an intellectual level of looking at her music and really looks at it also from a very spiritual standpoint and um and that really comes across when you see her live and all of these performers i really encourage you to go out and uh not only check out their music and i'll have uh, uh other links to their music in the description for this podcast, but also to see their live shows, which I was fortunate enough to do at Pitchfork. Um, these are in-person interviews. The sound varies uh, in different ways. You may have to adjust your volume a little bit from interview to interview, and I'll jump in and do a little separate break in between each interview. But first up, we're going to have Senya rubinos and uh want to thank all of you for being here for this special pitchfork episode and i want to thank these extraordinary artists uh for being on this show a rouge off kaina and senior rubinos for being here on Roadcase. and here we go Are we good? We're here. Okay. All right. We're live. Okay. We're,
1: we're surrendering to our ambient circumstances. <laughs>
0: yeah. Hi, Senya. Nice to Hi. have you on the show. Thank you. So My name is pronounced Senya. 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 You like know, I say it.
1: Kenya. But with an S, Senya. Senya. Yes. okay, I apologize. That's okay. But How would you know? We i s- never met.
0: Well, also, I speak Italian, and I mess you up do? the... I, I do, like, really hard consonants at the beginning of a word, and it screws up my, like, Spanish... Th- yeah, I lived in Anche Italy io- for a couple of years. Anche
1: io parlo italiano. Ah,
0: sì? sì. Come sì. mai?
1: Eh, <laughs> okay. No, dimmi like una
0: cosa in italiano, dai.
1: Perché il mio marito è napoletano.
0: <laughs> oh, and you speak with an... Uh, mm-hmm. She said that her husband's... From Naples and she speaks with the Napolitano dialect accent. I I see. Oh my God. Okay, so we have stuff to talk about right after this. I also (laughs) learned that you're a My Morning Jacket fan, Mm -hmm. which, like you saw my hat that I'm gonna wear at this festival Mm -hmm. later on today, and that blew me away. Um, I talk about my morning jacket all the time on the show. Well, it doesn't blow me away because you like my morning jacket or anyone does. Mm -hmm. It was just like I love meeting people that are my morning jacket fans, and um I was so I was so pleased. Tell me how you got into them.
1: Uh, someone had a crush on, was listening to this record <laughs> called At yeah. Dawn, and yeah. so I started to get that in my ear to just really bring the crush up to another level,
0: right? Um, and get into Jim, the vibe. Jim will do that to you.
1: And then I just loved it. I just would listen to... It was uh, At Dawn was the record that I was really into at that moment. And yeah. then I listened to their Christmas album. Right. We talked about- With like, during like a really depressing Christmas. And it was perfect. Oh, excellent. It was, the ba- it was like, it made... It was like, I don't like Christmas albums, obviously. Or, or not obviously. There are a lot no. of people who like... I mean, no, you know no shame with like. well the you're, say, you're saying you're saying basically you, can, you
0: could live without the whole christmas celebration yeah it's thing, not like
1: necessarily like i'm not really going to try to seek out christmas albums right, but their right. christmas album and like their steel pans on that record and it's like <laughs> very much what i want to hear at christmas like it's like we're festive but we're also chill right on. and you know a little groggy and like a little hungover yeah. and it's fine and yeah, nobody's yeah, yeah. pushing it on you and it's like a little it's like a little melancholy it's perfect. It's, it's it sounds like Christmas. Yeah. To
0: me. Well, I love how you um, you have so many different influences in your music, and so it doesn't surprise me that you like that type of music, um, and especially your. I think your first album was like so rock influenced. It feels mm-hmm. like, or at least sort of jazz, multi varied, polyrhythmic it has a lot to do with the fact that uh, your drummer, um, what is his name Marco uh, Marco, Marco, Buc- Buccelli. Marco Buccelli. Is mm-hmm. he? Your-
1: Napoletano, Yeah. E, e quello. yeah
0: oh <laughs> ah, so it wasn't just a boyfriend at the time it is your current husband yeah. okay yes. marco buchelli so yeah. i said that name correctly you got it. yeah 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 <laughs> um awesome i'd love to meet him sometime um yeah the polyrhythmic style and just um so many different things going on with that album um and you've had what well what i love about your story is that i talked to so many artists who not necessarily struggled with their family but were pushing themselves uniquely into. were musically influenced by their family, but then kind of took a path and that their parents hadn't really taken or like fully got on board with. Your story is a little bit different. Your fa- your parents, from what I understand, were very were musical and really helped to push you. Not necessarily in a bad way, but really were happy and enthusiastic that you were moving in a in a, even a deeper musical direction. Can can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, my dad was a huge classical music fan. No one in my family is a musician, but they love music. And my dad, I think he himself wanted to be a classical pianist. Uh As a child, he grew up in Havana. That was not an option for him. Uh His family was like, nah, this is not a job. This is not a thing. There were many reasons behind that. But I think from a very young age, he saw that I was interested in music and was like, oh, she's going to be a classical pianist. So, and like, my dad wouldn't spend money on anything, but he bought a piano, which was, like, a huge deal. Nice. And, like, started, you know, he thought he was, you know, training a prodigy or something. But I just wanted to be Mariah Carey. Well, it kind of
0: was. I
1: was, well, not, not really. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at all. But, like, I just wanted to sing Mariah Carey songs. And he's like, okay, opera. Like, you can be an opera singer. You can be Maria Callas. So I'm like, no. But, you know, they were, my, my mom and my dad, they were both just really... Um, supportive of me like following my dreams because I think that's a luxury that neither of them had so to them it was like mm. the ultimate success to be able to give that to their daughter right. you know because your
0: dad was from Cuba your mom's it's from Puerto Rico Puerto Rican yeah yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. my mom is an incredible story of like she came from a really small beach town in the south of Puerto Rico she's the first uh, person in her family to like go to university she just like overcame all these odds did she go
0: to university in the states she or, went, or she went no, there to the then University came...
1: of Puerto Rico uh-huh. and then she went to medical school in the Dominican Republic uh-huh um, she became oh. a registered nurse and then wow. she worked in um, psychiatry and right um when yeah. did she
0: come over when she come she up came, to she came new york brooklyn Where you in
1: the uh, well no actually she moved my grandma her mother came to new york for a second when she when my mom was really little and okay. then they went back to puerto rico okay um and my mom just has a faint memory of the snow. Like she remembers it was Christmas and she has this memory where she opened the door and, and she was, um, without shoes on and she like went out oh, and it was like <laughs> snow and cold that hit her. Oh my so God. she has this very, sounds like a nightmare to
0: me. I was <laughs> like,
1: that, that's her memory of New York uh, being like very little girl. Um, but uh, my mom, she finished medical school in the Dominican Republic. And when she got back to Puerto Rico, my grandmother had already left to Hartford, Connecticut. That's where I was born. Uh-huh. And my mom was like, there's nothing left for me in Puerto Rico. And she left, to hartford and met my dad there ah. uh, my dad was a social worker and was uh-huh. her social worker and that's how they met
0: oh interesting yeah
1: um my and, dad was and a lot he came of from things. cuba he came from cuba my dad was a university professor um in havana he taught um chemistry mm. and or no sorry he taught uh, philosophy but then when the revolution uh through full when it when when the revolution happened yeah. they were t- uh, telling him what to teach in philosophy and he was like okay and oh my switched god to yeah. chemistry he was like you can't you know argue about atoms so we're just going to chemistry some and people then, will try yeah, like you right. went from philosophy
0: <laughs> that you can sort of like fuck with to no. like science yeah, which like, we're doing science yeah
1: and then he you know left he was the first person in his family to leave cuba um and he eventually made it uh to to the states and he started working at Seven Eleven. like he had to leave everything behind um, got a new, got a degree, um, in like Spanish literature and then started getting into like local politics in Hartford and like wow. advocating for like, uh, Latino families and their rights and, um, got like helped get the first, um, Latino mayor of Hartford elected. Um, oh my God. and yeah, he's like, wow. such a what dude. Wow. What an amazing so guy. Many, your your parents
0: of, are fascinating. They,
1: they are really, they're really, really cool. Um, they have a very deep interesting stories um life stories and they, they both overcame so much yeah. um and yeah they were really encouraging of me you know following what i love to do they love music but they're not musicians um but they yeah they, I, i'm very lucky in the sense that they didn't fight me too much although my dad did kind of like tell me that i was too lazy and that i would never be anything yeah i heard you say that yeah.
0: somewhere like oh great yeah well no but actually in, like, we, school, now he qualifies you know? actually for an actual dad
1: yeah he was like i was like he's like okay so what are you gonna do and i'm like i'm gonna be a musician he's like oh you're too lazy you you don't have no discipline you'll never do anything oh thanks dad yeah, what'd you was, say that was rough um i was like okay well, I'm gonna i'll do show you well yeah, is that a mo- really. was that kind of like a motivating no talk it was for not yeah. it was a horrible a, <laughs> it was a horrible a moment horrible yeah it was just say. a horrible thing to say <laughs> yeah it was awful um but yeah no i just you know
0: wait I, but however how old were you at that time when he said that the, uh
1: i was probably like 16 were you lazy it was um i think i was not definitely not lazy oh. i definitely was doing a lot like i was i was uh my parents put me in like a private catholic school to try to get me away from like the inner city public school like uh-huh uh super high pregnancy rate like super just like metal detectors just like they were just trying everything to not make that happen and so they put me in this private school and it was That's like crazy. the kind of school that like it's not a prep school for college but it's like a lot of extracurricular activities i was like in choir i was in the theater thing i was like nice. you know doing my homework i was doing the. Thi- i was doing all of the
0: things Did you kind of go for like a dark period i know i read like that you were sort of in this place where wait you I I think I remember it because you said you hadn't, you weren't showering for like a long time. Yeah, that was depressing. Like you sort of went, yeah, just through like kind of like a dark thing. Was this before you you got to the private? Was that the part of it or public? No, that was part of the private school experience.
1: I think it was just like also high school and just like. Yeah, you were just that kind of thing.
0: You know, and just
1: like, I really wanted to get out of there. I really wanted to leave. I wanted to go to New York. My dream was to move to New York. Right. Oh, wait. So where was
0: this? uh, The private school? This was up in Hartford. Yeah, it was
1: like a suburbs of Hartford Um, and then yeah I wanted to leave I wanted to escape and um, I wanted to go to New York but that wasn't really an option I didn't want to go to college because I thought it was silly to like do music college I was Mm. like this is not a thing but that wasn't an option. My parents were like, "Obviously, we're doing this. We're going to college." Yeah, like, they were both the educated thing? people. Yeah, so and they wanted that for me. You know, so yeah. I was like, "Okay, music school." And they were like, "All right, fine." So I went to. I ended up going to Berkeley. Wait, how much?
0: How much of a struggle was that to do music school? Because it was You do a little bit it of general not. ed at Berkeley, don't you, or not? Uh, I think I heard some people say that they could, you are taking some kind of basic college stuff no, there's
1: like some electives that you have to take uh-huh. like art history or like whatever but there's not it's music it's, it's, a it's music super school.
0: creative it's like
1: it is um it was pretty strict like conservatory like jazz approach to learning um uh-huh. at, at, in the program i was i went there to be a jazz singer, jazz uh-huh yeah and then when i got there i realized that was a horrible idea and i hated like that be- oh, that, really? that um environment
0: uh-huh. and it
1: was very like it was very machista. It was very patriarchal and it was very like about interpreting other people's stuff. And what I really wanted to know was like how the music was being made. You Mm. know, I wanted Mm. to know what was happening back there. And I also wanted to prove that I wasn't like a dumb singer and that I knew what was up, you know? So then I stopped Mm. singing and I started um, studying like jazz composition, but I didn't play any other instrument. Like I could kind of plunk around on the piano. I could read music.
0: But when you say you wanted to know what was happening, behind Music, the thing. Yeah. yeah was that from a production standpoint from uh... Uh, in
1: every way like so i was i was in my like ella fitzgerald moment and i was in like sarah vaughn moment so i was listening to jazz i was doing you know i was the jazz singer person but yeah. i didn't understand when the, the drummer took their solo like what was happening or what was the bass player playing or when they played the head like and then they went and they improvised on it what was happening you know and i wanted to know what was happening like harmonically like melodically on the form i wanted to understand. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, okay. And then I also realized that I wanted to make my own stuff. Like, I didn't want to just be an interpreter of mm. someone else's ideas. I mm. wanted to make my own idea. Mm-hmm. And Because I, I wasn't finding myself as the jazz singer lady that yeah, I thought I yeah, was. Yeah. And she wasn't there. Like, just wasn't there. So then I started writing my own music, you know, and kind of, like, listened. And that's that moment in time was, like, really my my sound palette grew in a very short amount of time i listened to a lot of music that was like the benefit of that school was like i got a job at the media center and at that moment there was no spotify um streaming was like you know you could rip stuff on like napster or whatever but i i would take out cds from the media center and rip them all like at night and like so that's the first time i heard bjork you know the first time i heard pixies um then just a lot of weird like atonal like composers and uh charles mingus and mm. you know just like a lot yeah, that was
0: transformative like, to me to like listen to the clown like big time
1: yeah i it was, was so like wild.
0: whoa this is possible like this is incredible it was
1: a lot of me just like fighting you know fighting against this kind of like really patriarchal environment where it was all dude it was just i was really all dudes and like i was the only vocalist mm. in the program in the jazz comp program and it was like So I would try to do things, but I was really coming at a disadvantage because I didn't play another instrument other than voice, really. So I would like, for example, for a horn arrangement, I would sing all the horn parts. And then, like, record myself. And then I would write, like, transcribe them. And that's how I would write the the arrangements. It would take me forever. Ah. Um, And then I would go in and, like, play it, you know, with the the band, with the orchestra that records it. And afterwards, after one of these classes, the the teacher was like, oh, you must listen to a lot of Mingus. And I was like, oh, yeah, I love him. And I had no (laughs) idea who that was, you know. So it was a lot of me, like, faking that I knew what was up. Wow. And then I would go and like I feverishly like you know I got every record I could find of Mingus's music and I was like oh this is actually cool you know
0: right um, and you were so, super into Mariah Carey as a kid too. I love you wanted Mariah to be a Carey. pop singer
1: I was that was like you know I was little I was like four yeah, or five yeah, years old wrong and I with was that. just like I had her poster on my door yeah, and true. I would just like sit obsessively on the weekends and just like have the the lyrics yeah and tr- like try to learn every single song I was super serious right. about learning her like the all the runs that she did and like. Also my voice was like really high at that point so I could do all the crazy like
0: you know you're like oh I wish those days were coming you know? back when yeah, I could sing I mariah like- <laughs> maybe you need the, maybe you need to sing in a hairbrush more often it'll come back to you you know
1: what I mean <laughs> yeah i had a karaoke machine of and, course and that was I like, didn't even ask that i had a karaoke machine with the two cassette Decks, yeah, And yeah. that's how I started writing songs when I was little. I would like... Oh my god. I first had the karaoke tapes of like Mariah and then I would I figured out that I could get a blank tape and then like switch it back and forth, <laughs> for like the two tapes, and right. then like layer myself on it. Oh my god. So I you, go. you were a producer play, even back then. I just found the cassettes actually. But it's so
0: fascinating that you kept kind of true to your own vocal style that you knew you sort of had. This is what I'm getting from what you say That you knew you had a vocal style in your head that you wanted to express. And then we're influenced by different singers doing different types of music, but you know, your latest album is so gorgeous in the sense that you stay true to the style, but then there's this other, we talked about this before um, there's this other feel of a variety of different influences. And it's, it's just, it's just wonderful. I mean, I know that you and Marco work obviously very closely together and he's, he's a, he's an extraordinary drummer. Wow. I was like, that's the first thing I was like, Whoa, Amazing. yeah he's
1: a great drummer.
0: How'd you guys meet?:
1: We met at Berkeley actually. Oh, Okay. We met at Berkeley. Um, and
0: is he right? He's Italian. He came to this country. He came, he came to came the US. To, to go to, to Berkeley Boston to study drums.: Oh, right on, yeah. right on. Naples, by the way, for those that are listening, is the most amazing town.: It's
1: a beautiful city. <laughs> it's a huge metropolis, um, bustling, volcanic. City, I love just the confusion the
0: and chaos. I mean, you it's New Yorkish for it's a, sure. It, for, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like passionate. It's funky. It's food's great. The food they is love, incredible. Yeah. They Shit gets pizza. out of control
0: in like a hurry. That's right. Naples is kind of one of those things where they say about New York. Never, never walk around New York and go, I've seen it all exactly. because that will there's slap your ass. There's, there's one of everything to. in Naples. Like anything <laughs> that you can
1: imagine and that you can't imagine is in Naples. Yeah. yeah. So he's from Naples and he came to Boston to study drums and, we met kind of like towards the end of my time at berkeley and i was starting to have my own bands and like i had Mm. auditions for drummers Mm. and i had no idea what i was doing and he (laughs) showed up to the audition everyone was like you should check him out he's such a great drummer and i just didn't like him i thought he was really full of himself and i was like "Ugh." but then we ended up playing together we ended up having um a band called la mala Mala madre the bad mother Ah. it was like a seven piece band with drums and um, marimba and steel pan it was like a lot of percussion and then horns and
0: and is he yeah, playing with you today? He is. He's oh, here. Oh, yeah. God damn, I can't wait. Yeah, I can't and wait. he
1: produced, uh, we co-produced Magic Tricks, my uh-huh. first record, Black Terry Cat, and Una Rosa as well. And he's also an incredible producer. And as a producer, he's grown a lot too. And this last album, Una Rosa, was the first time that we really collaborated on this level, in, like in the studio, on the box, like in the grid. Right on. Um, more in a more electronic way. So this this performance is less in the in the vein of like, our previous stuff which is more about like live playing and yeah. like, a band and like drum set although he's playing drums today too but it's more beat oriented we programmed a lot the, the una rosa una rosa is much more like however
0: electronic. you said that you were you you sang that all in one take well most I did of the a tracks of, i did a lot live. of the
1: tracking yeah so the production approach of una rosa was so different from the other records because it was the first time that i would record and write in the moment in the studio and think this could be the final take this yeah, could yeah. like what I'm writing right now may be the final thing and some of it was you know and I had never done that in Black Terry Cat we demoed every track before we played it you right. know before we recorded it like yeah. and then it was it, it, you know it was dope we were, it was like the most prepared I'd ever been for a record yeah. Black Terry Cat yeah. and then the, the week before we were supposed to record it, my dad had a stroke. And I was uh, like, my life changed. My life went completely upside down. Yeah, you, came, you down. took care
0: of him for a while, right? That's yeah, so wonderful. Yeah, I was wonderful. his caregiver
1: for over a decade um, oh in my, my God. 20s. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, and so then oh, he, How old he you He passed. Know? I'm 30. i mean, it's my birthday next next week. Oh, happy birthday in advance. 37. I'm going to turn I think. 36? Are you
0: pretending not to know no, the number? No, I,
1: I I like my brain shuts it down. My brain is like wait after until,
0: Wait until you get to 50. After I, I turned
1: 35, my brain was like you're done. Like this is it. You're to Just be 35 now. So I'm like yeah what i mean, i was born 1985 we're 2022 so that's seven Dana, are you right? not asking me to do
0: math here i'm trying to come we're up with doing the math right now
1: you asked me my age aggro question so you're gonna have to do math <laughs> you're gonna have to do math um yeah no i'm turning 37 next sunday
0: congratulations <laughs> thank
1: you we're here we yeah. survived yeah totally we survived a pandemic totally. and like our life yeah so yeah. far is, like remarkable
0: well i wish i had more time with you i um, me too this is fun I yeah. love like talking about music with you oh it's oh yeah I love talking with you and we, we got a lot in common too it's great
1: we do um
0: and I, I can't wait to meet Marco at some point but yeah um, you gotta come say hi yeah I would love to um so a couple things you're going to Europe you got Europe tour European yes. tour in August mm-hmm. and then you've got some west coast dates that you're announcing coming yep. up
1: tomorrow I'm announcing west coast uh, okay very yeah.
0: exciting very exciting yep yeah uh cool Thanks a lot, Senya, for Thank being you. here. It was such a pleasure to meet you. It was
1: fun meeting you. Yeah. It won't be the last time, I think. I hope so. I hope yeah. we'll cross
0: paths again. I yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
1: Thank you. Cool.
0: Cheers. Bye. Good luck to you. Bye. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, that was Senya Rubinos. I was so happy to talk to Senia. She is such a, such a wonderful human. We had such a fun uh, brief time chatting, and I wish her... So much luck and success. Um, she announced some West Coast dates and you can head to her website, Senor Robinus. Dot com to learn more information about where she'll be and where you can catch her live show um, just like a just wonderful human and of course we talked about my morning jackets and uh, uh, her husband from Naples and um, she has so many interesting stories to weave about her family and the support that they gave him and she just that gave her and um, uh, in just such an extraordinary way and I'd love um, just the diversity of her musical influence influences and I was fortunate enough to catch her performance as well later on that day and it was just absolutely extraordinary. I can't say enough good things about it so make sure to go check her out and um, I'm so happy to have had the chance to be able to share that interview with you and next up we have Kaina who is just a lovely human and uh, just really amazing young artist and uh as you might well imagine the sound is a little difficult in a live setting so uh this one came out a little on the louder side so you might want to adjust your volume just a heads up on that but enjoy kaina here she is Hey, Kaina great to have you on the show I'm so psyched to see you
2: thanks for having me yeah
0: you're so welcome and we're both we both live in Chicago I wasn't born here you're from Chicago yes um, and this is your first pitchfork so what is that like tell me about how you're feeling your experience your sets tomorrow yeah, yeah, but you're, yeah. Do you're, and you're doing an after show at Dahlia tonight
2: yes I am awesome
0: so what's it like what's it feel like to be here and be performing here
2: it feels great I uh, in previous years, played with my good friends Lala Lala and Namdi, and was part of their crazy big band. So it feels really exciting to have my own solo set now and be playing with my friends too.
0: Yeah, I bet. So yeah. did you come here as a kid?
2: Uh definitely. Yeah, came here maybe in high school for sure. Started coming to Pitchfork. Yeah. Uh, so it so is you know also your way really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everyone's like, "Do you know how to this works?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah."
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is actually talk to Cayena yeah. if you want to know where. The, if you
2: want to know where you should be. <laughs> yeah, if
0: you want to know where the lockers are. Call right. ask Cayena exactly. Like, wh- which is the cleanest porta potty? Maybe. Really? Not. So right, you have
2: the secrets actually. I don't
0: know what the what is the cleanest porta potty. Cleanest porta potty. <laughs> it's it's
2: got to be backstage uh, in the yeah, right. you know a VIP a nice section. VIP <laughs> section yeah, for right.
0: sure. <laughs> they're not too bad here, but let's not get into that. But.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so you're from Chicago mm-hmm. and you're first generation American, which is phenomenal and your parents venezuelan and guatemalan i forget which one's the mom and who's the yeah my mom's
2: Venezuelan, dad's guatemalan oh
0: right right Mm -hmm. right um so how i I know that's that's um it's so refreshing to listen to your music and i love i listened to your audio tree live it was it was gorgeous thank you (laughs) uh you got a recent album out uh it was a home and which obviously reflects a lot on family or it can or not but i think in your case that it does um I feel like you're really, you're close with your family and that experience is, how has that experience colored your, your artistic expression?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, definitely, uh, I would say my first album next to the sun is definitely much more about my identity and my family and kind of us making our way here in the U S and then I think, uh, it was a home is more about what I learned from that family about building my own home and my own community. So I feel like I saw my parents have their friends over all the time and cook and dance and play music and 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 dance around the house and get drunk. And I feel like I learned all those qualities about hosting and, and building community from my folks and from Chicago. Um, I don't have a big family in the U.S., so I really feel like Chicago taught me everything about having a community and family well, and that's interesting so how so yeah. the
0: city itself it was very conducive to that feel what, what neighborhood did you grew up yeah. in
2: I grew up in Irving Park okay but i was a part of a lot of youth organizations in chicago like young chicago authors and after school matters and primarily this group called the happiness club i was in it for 10 the years happiness club yeah it was okay. made in the right. 80s which is why it uh <laughs> sounds like that but i think it's actually a fantastic name for all yeah. these kids well you're a
0: pretty happy person i yeah. from a, from i'm generally
2: right. i would say i'm generally happy i i like having a nice chat i can be grumpy sometimes but well of course of course <laughs> I, I should say like yeah. you
0: seem like a happy person oh, that's yeah. probably a better fra- phraseology I, on that i
2: gotta keep i gotta keep up my positivity these days you know what i mean yeah
0: yeah earth yeah right yeah totally i mean there's so much stuff going on you want to go down that rabbit hole now with okay all right Uh, yeah we don't have to stop me when i start doing that we can't do it um so you talk about that sense of community in chicago um so but how did that translate and and with family etc and having people over and having fun how did that translate to your own artistic direction
2: um it just it has everything to so with a uh, specific group the happiness club that group basically teaches young people how to write songs create their own production sometimes make their own dances and stuff it's like a whole show you learn how to create and perform when you're young in that Mm. group so now that i'm older i'm like oh wow that was like all the training that i have for this moment in my life right now so that's like a direct correlation but Generally, I just I like writing songs about the people in my life and the stories in my life. And I think uh, it's very lucky that I've had such a positive interaction with Chicago and with my family and with the people that I grew up around and be able to share those stories and what I've learned from them in my life.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Rick. Really, uh, really great. And that was on your first album as well as your second album. You sort of had that kind of feel. You're still rolling with the family and collective nature.
2: Yeah, I would say, yeah, the first album to me means more about like literally figuring out what it means to be a first generation person in the US, like the kind of like duality that I face feeling like I know I'm an American, but I don't fully feel like I'm from here, but I don't fully feel like where I'm where Where my parents parents are are from from. you know so it's kind of like me dealing with that duality that thought of duality through still being a young girl growing up and then i think next to the sun i mean it was a home is just much more mature it's more recent songwriting some of the songs on next to the sun were written when i was like 15 16 so wow it was a home is much more recent much more mature production wise content wise and uh it kind of is like that what happens after figuring out those initial feelings about myself in the world. Who am I? What kind of home do I build with by myself, even physically? Just, um, I, re- I recently moved into, or not recently, during the pandemic, I moved into a new apartment and it feels like the first real home of my own that I've ever had that I've ever built. And I realized that everything that I did in this home to curate it, whether it's furniture or energy, I learned from. From, from my family, family yeah, you know and yeah. it's crazy getting older and being like oh that's where i got that from you know cuz you don't realize it when you're younger where are you Well they, they set up a things. framework
0: for that right. in the way that they brought you up and right. you feel comfortable in how they did that right in all likelihood because you're trying to emulate that in your own life absolutely but did that feel somehow special to you that you were able to in fact either yes. like have your own house or start creating your own family with your own like purely kind of American traditions. Yeah. Harking back on your parents.
2: Oh, absolutely. I just think I, it was a home, the title track, the actual song itself is the first song I wrote for that album. And it has to do with being younger. Sometimes you're like, damn, like I want to get out of this house. Like I live with my parents. Like, will I ever be able to afford rent by myself? And so that song is kind of about realizing that, um, When you're younger, you're not appreciating those moments. You're not appreciating that home. You're not appreciating the things that your parents teach you. Mm. And so it was a home is kind of my realization and how special it is that I got to be a part of all these things when I was younger. And I got to be around a family that prioritized community and friendship in a certain way. But I didn't know that at the time. You know, it's it's very much a I'm 26 now. And it's very much a brand getting into my late 20s, a very new feeling of being like, wow, this is the first time in my life that I. Uh, actually feel like I can appreciate that because I'm old enough to.
0: Right, yeah. So that's really what
2: that is about.
0: Interestingly, I have a daughter who's 25 and she just moved into her own place in mm -hmm. D.C. Uh, I imagine having, like, that's kind of a key pivotal moment. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be a certain age per se, but But you're mid-20, when when it does happen, it's, it's it's really special.
2: It's so different than my early 20s. You know, I just feel like so much of, yeah, late teens, early 20s is like you really scrapping it out and figuring out what you're going to do and kind of being like, I don't want to go back home to my parents' house right now. I'm doing my own thing. And now that I'm You know, approaching my late twenties, I'm like, oh, okay, (laughs) that's not how I feel at all. Like, and that's just a maturity and age thing, a growth thing.
0: Yeah, it's getting more mature. It's like, oh, I want to go back home, but I I can't. You're like, I can't. But now you just like don't you? You don't want to, and you don't need to. I think is the important thing. Yeah, Yeah, maybe.
2: Yeah, well, now it's like it's just appreciating it more. You know, I I can go back and not feel like, oh, I'm like. Losing my independence by coming over to my mom's house and eating a meal. Right. It's a, okay to do once yeah, in a while. It's, it's like,
0: okay to do your laundry at your parents' house.
2: Right. It's like, <laughs> it's chill. We're hanging out, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so different than how I felt before, for sure.
0: Yeah. Good for yeah. you. Good yeah. for you. I'm happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and then you hear Pitchfork playing uh, tomorrow. And yeah. uh, what about Thali? Have you played at Thali before?
2: No, I haven't played there yet. Oh, I, it's such it's a, a beautiful yeah, venue. I'm sure you've and, been there many times. Yeah. I've seen a lot of folks play there, and I'm excited. Right uh, on. Play myself. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I could tell. I could tell. Yeah, that's a new first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. It's the weekend of first, and mm-hmm. you know you had met me before, so that's a first. Yeah, day. that's
2: a first. There you
0: go. You haven't been on roadcase yet. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, forget pitchfork. It's like being on roadcase. Come on, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk musical influences. You do mention Stevie Wonder, who's a personal favorite of mine. Absolutely. Um, and is your were your family musical? Where did you come by this musical talent? This unbelievable <laughs> voice that you have.
2: Um, I would say I just grew up listening to a ton of salsa music, and my dad like fiddling with like gongs and like fiddling with guitar. But no one really played music, but always played music out loud in the house um, mm-hmm. my dad played so much stevie wonder so much motown and so much classic rocks like queen yeah police so i actually think that's like the perfect intersection of my music it's kind of like being a first-gen latina and being from chicago which has a specific sound of its own and growing up on motown and classic rock is kind of actually the fusion of who i am totally
0: well so. i tell you what it really drew me in because you know, I'm I'm from way back, classic rock guy, big shocker. You probably would have guessed <laughs> that.
2: But, you know, I wouldn't have guessed. No yeah. I'm
0: kidding. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, it's a safe assumption. But I do love yeah. so many different genres. Mm-hmm. But I can feel in your music this kinship to it. That's really that's familiar to me. Not that it has to be. Yeah. But then you infuse that. You have that Latin infusion. Um, yeah. Built in with kind of a more modern take on on just what you're hearing and what you're doing and yes. and how you feel as a young person express do it with your own artistic expression to yeah uh, to put out there that's really wonderful
2: thank you yeah. yeah exactly I mean I'm uh like I always tell people like I'm not I'm not trying to make actual salsa music you know
3: <laughs> well, that's clear like, that
2: that's definitely <laughs> not what I'm trying to do yeah. it's like what does a Child of someone who grew up listening to salsa music sound like it's me, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's definitely, yeah, my spin on it and like how I think it could innovate. And like, I, I don't know, I see like the way that classic rock and salsa intertwine absolutely oh, how like, do you on think a production that is? level. Just like rhythm, bass, and drums.
0: Music. Yeah, literally, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's just like, well look what um uh, uh carlos santana had did for exactly. Many, many years exactly right? exactly
2: yeah. and i'm i'm so interested in pockets of that i feel like there's a bunch of new artists that i are are doing that with their culture and like with the music they also grew up listening to and it's really creating an interesting fusion of things that i'm excited about yeah and
0: how do you how do you tend to think about kind of weaving your own vocal inflections in throughout your music to have that to, to kind of touch that
2: hmm how do i <laughs> I don't know. I really I really just do this I do this music life with my best friends. Yeah. And I do it with I always tell people like I don't I can I can like doodle around on guitar, I can doodle around on piano and I've started a lot of demos in that way. But I think like my biggest strength as a producer and a songwriter is just my ear. Mm. I just like I'm very much a nerd about listening to stuff. I listen to music all the time, listen to new music, listen to old music. And I think when I'm sitting in a room and I'm producing, I'm really like, I'm like, oh, I want to reference, yeah, that Carlos Santana guitar. Right. And now I want to reference 2000s pop. And that's how I'm like collaging things in my mind. I love that. I and love that. and I'm doing that with my voice, too. I would say that on It Was a Home specifically, I really made it a point to try to flex my voice in a different I always tell all my friends that it's about uh, serving the song. Yeah. I like to serve a song. I, even if it sounds like it'll be corny, that's what I need to do. Like for a song on this album, like Golden Mirror, I'm, I'm singing the words. Love can feel like an illusion, but I see it every day. And to some people that might be corny, Ooh. but I knew that I was doing that on purpose. So I do that well, in my... Well, I think my, that's
0: interesting. It's, interesting. Yeah. it's more interesting than saying uh, love's not an illusion. Love is real for me. Right. Like everyone said that, but right. Yeah, but it's But it's also
2: like, I know that it might come off corny and that's exactly why I wrote it that <laughs> okay. way. You know, like I want it to be like, ah this this sounds like the Muppets and I'm like that's exactly what I was going for it was very intentional yeah
0: exactly <laughs> you know so
2: that's how I'm producing in my mind I'm like oh I want to sound like the Cheetah Girls and like uh I don't know like Britney Spears in this moment oh I want to have a yeah guitar that sounds like Carlos Santana I want to have drums that feel like uh you know whatever Saba beat yeah, it doesn't yeah, it just like yeah. Yeah. I'm collaging in my mind, and that's really how I build my songs and use my vocals, too.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, li- definitely yeah. listen to Heart. I'm sure you're familiar with Ann Wilson. My, partner, who,
2: my partner, Sen Morimoto, who helps co-produce all my music, mm-hmm. loves Heart. So yeah. I feel like oh, that's go. probably his end, because he's always like, this reminds me of Heart or something. Yeah, yeah, right. So that's very much him. I nailed that, I Yeah, think. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, yeah. I mean, there's so, so many touchstones <laughs> that you're going to hear from classic rock perspective. Oh, Not yeah. like that's the only perspective, yeah. but since you know you're so interested in it it really makes for uh, a super interesting combination of what you're doing so thank
2: you pitchfork
0: tomorrow I forget what time the set is yeah 2.30 I'll be there 2.30 what stage
2: green stage green
0: stage how mm-hmm. psyched are you you're on the biggest stage in Pittsburgh are you nervous pretty
2: wild I, I don't feel do nervous you get nervous
0: before you perform
2: probably I'll probably be nervous like right right before I hit the stage but I no. feel so prepared I've been playing with the same band for like five years now oh, nice. almost six uh-huh. and uh, we're just do we're doing a cool new iteration of the set that we've been touring and so I just feel good and prepared and we're all right and every single bandmate of mine is like an, an avenger so it's just like <laughs> you got
0: your superhero oh my line, gosh
2: but. it's like the whole marvel all of them every single one is a superhero on stage so it's just like it's gonna be so fun for oh, people that's to so hear. that's so great that's yeah. so
0: great i'm psyched yeah and who are you playing with tonight at thalia
2: tonight i'm opening up for camp cope
0: right on yeah right on. that'll be yeah, fun some some rock oh there you Hulk. go there you go all yeah. right i'll have to be there for that one uh well kaina such a pleasure talking to you thanks yeah. for taking a couple minutes to share your story and thank you i really love your stuff and i look forward to seeing more from you and i just wish you so much success
2: thank you thanks for having yeah, me yeah
0: you're welcome thanks cheers. cheers okay that was the amazing young artist kaina from chicago i think you really get a a sense of her just vivacious uh, amazing enthusiastic and really authentic personality like or just operating from a sense of just absolute authenticity that she has um and uh saw her set just right after this this interview and it was just amazing she played on the biggest stage at the festival, the green stage—it was just really wonderful. And of course, she plays um, with the amazing producer and musician Sen Morimoto, uh, who's also from Chicago. And uh, the combination of that, as well as as she mentioned, she's been playing with these uh, with this band in this format for quite some time. It was just a, just an amazing performance, and uh, the reception from the crowd and the audience was just also really extraordinary. And you know, from speaking to her, you really get that sense of an importance of community and um, the Uh, not not only that but you know she's also another uh child of immigrants from uh as you heard venezuelan and guatemalan parents and um also talked about that sense of community and uh how she was a supporter of the youth programs in chicago um and how that really sense of community really plays a part in her uh latest album it was a home uh which is really kind of an ode to growing up in chicago and that kind of community-based environment um really enjoyed speaking with her we had a little Really, really good laughs. And uh, sorry about the kind of sketchy sound quality on that one. But uh, coming up now is Off uh, Aftab, who's just an extraordinary uh, Pakistani artist who has lived in Brooklyn for quite some time now. And uh, she is also a Grammy winner. She won the 2022 Grammy for Best Global Performance for her song Mohabbat off her 2021 album Vulture Prince. So here she is. Enjoy Aruj Aftab. Let them
3: have their
2: crescendo
0: moment. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's start it up yeah hey arouge so great to see you thanks for being here with me on road case at pitchfork
3: thank you so much yeah thanks for having me
0: oh you're so welcome so happy to have you we're here at the media tent. Spirit of the Beehive is playing behind us. I think it's going to end. I think we figured it's going to end in like thirty seconds. So, um, but I don't think it's too bad. Uh, amazing set. I really enjoyed it. Um, tell me a little bit about Pitchfork and like playing at festivals. I'm I'm interested in how you feel your music translates on a live stage of this nature.
3: Uh, I think it translates really well.
0: Mm -hmm. That's good. (laughs) I think
3: festival goers are like part hippie, part rockers. I don't know. It's been great. You know, I've been playing all the festivals this year and the the audience has been great and the experience has been really fun. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What really struck me is the beauty of the sort of meditative feel, if you will, for, you know, I'm not going to put a label on it, but just to throw a, a term out there of your music and how beautiful and quiet and contemplative it can be. And then that combined with some of the amazing venues that you're, that you play and right. how, how much does setting play a part for you and the power of your own performance?
3: I think that the sound just has to be good, you know, <laughs> yeah. and then it could be any setting. I guess it can't be like a noisy, insane, like bar. Right. But aside from that, I feel like we get pretty loud and mm. we kind of, you know, it's meditative as you chose to use that word, <laughs> but also. It's very rock and it's very it's very hip hop at times I feel Is like it? it has quite a crossover quality to it the music and so I think it's been doing well in in many different settings I would say so Yeah I was yeah. excited
0: to see that you're playing at Temple of Dendur at the museum Oh of yeah that's Ma- going to be of, uh, what's a the, fun the Metropolitan one. Museum of Art Yeah. MoMA. yeah, yeah. What What is that? Is that a uh, significant for you? You're from Brooklyn. It's a beautiful setting for anyone that doesn't know. It's the recreation of a temple, an Egyptian temple that is was built on recreation? the Nile. Or, or no, actually you're right. You're ta- absolutely right. They take it. You're it. absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> they fucking took it. Um, uh, that is, the, I was being yeah. kind. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh,
3: no, if that's, I mean, it's cool that they have that and that they do music in front of it. I feel like we could try to open up a celestial gateway, um totally with the temple being there the original temple itself and yeah the met is just you know epic and yeah we're from new york so i'm really excited for it i think it's a good it's gonna be museum setting is like feels more acceptable to the mind right when you think about this type of music than like a festival but
0: yeah i think it's gonna be fun well yeah it was kind of what i was alluding to was that it's right. it it has that i don't know i I look at, I, from, you know, I know, I saw your set and it feels very, like, I want to just zone out to it and trip out to it. And then to have an additional setting of, like, that in being in a church or being right. in a place of worship or something, it seems appropriate. But that's just me, you know, yeah, that could be yeah, anybody's yeah. takeaway. Yeah.
3: I think, yeah, I mean, I mean, music has always had such a sort of spiritual quality to it, whether mm. it is or not. Um, and when it makes people feel. Like they can process their emotions, which is what music just does, right? yeah, so uh, yeah, I think whether it's nice that it it's in that kind of setting, but it but the Met is not a church, you know, the Met is right, right, the Met right. is this place where like thousands of tourists are up and down every day,
0: right, um, admiring the cultural appropriation, as yes. you so aptly put it, like <laughs> you put me that, yeah, that was good though, I appreciate yeah. that, I totally that's right. it's been very controversial, of course, like cultural appropriation and art. In art museums around the world, for sure. I mean, that's one way of others enjoying something, but there is an issue, no doubt.
3: (laughs) I don't know if the media tent being here was a good idea.
0: I know that's what I'm saying, but and that's the far away stage from the media tent. I mean, farther away. But anyway, I can hear you. Okay, I got the headphones on. We're coming out. I can't
3: hear you. you you, Oh, you can't
0: hear me. All right. (laughs) <laughs> all right, we'll make this happen. Is that better if I talk louder? Yeah, like this? if you talk louder. Okay. All right. All right. Um, so, you um, you were born in Saudi Arabia. You lived in Pakistan. You went to Berkeley School of Music. Yes. I, I'm super interested in your um what knowledge of the folk music and i know you liked crosby stills and nash i heard and right what was kind of your entree into into music growing up in pakistan i'm really interested in in what what you were exposed to and and how that influenced where you are now um
3: well so you know pakistan growing up in pakistan a little bit and it's it's just like it's such a music oriented place you know Mm. it's just such a it's, like, the city of gardens and poetry and dance and, like, all this dense history of, like, poetry and 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 music, you know, all of Hindustani classical music. You know, it was once the same country, so we share all of the same really deep music traditions of which I studied none, you know. <laughs> I, I never had any training in classical Pakistani um, music. Mm. But it's like the tapestry, you know. It's, like, it's what they're playing at coffee shops. Like, they're playing Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan, like everywhere and people just have a really intense sense of music yeah. like ingrained in the in the social makeup you know what i mean yeah uh, in the cultural makeup of the place and so so that just kind of always being in my ear and then you know as a kid just as a teenager and someone who had real, real sort of, like, love for music more than just uh, as a hobby from a very early start, you know. I was definitely digging, and um, I loved listening to Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Just, like, you know, just, like, three acoustic guitars and, like, all those harmonies. Like, that was really my jam. Yeah. You know, uh, but I also loved Jeff Buckley, and I... I and I... We uh, we do you know that guy <laughs> you know so and and i and i was digging and looking for jazz like i loved billy holiday and 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 so it, my my uh influences were broad
0: yeah so it was quite a bit like a sort of cultural melange if you will but it's yeah. interesting that you were inv- you were both obviously you were inspired by music but those 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 separate different influences um in growing up there is, is interesting mm-hmm. and then it's just fascinating from my perspective to just see the filtration of world music over in Pakistan would be Crosby stills Nash and other sort of those types of, um, and, um, guitar playing became important for you, as I understand. Mm -hmm. And that, 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 that instrument really resonated for you. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? And, um,
3: yeah, well, I was teaching myself how to play acoustic guitar and that was kind of, something that yeah like i loved to, the sound of it and and um it was my instrument uh and then i went to berkeley and met so many amazing guitar players and i was like okay i'm just gonna let you guys do this thing you know so <laughs> i was gonna like, ask yeah, like yeah, for yeah. a person
0: who loves guitar you're up there just singing I, yeah I mean, do, do, you, do you pick up the guitar from time to time And play? i do
3: to write to write some stuff you know uh-huh. sometimes it's like this very specific obscure like beautiful chords you know like uh that I like to kind of come up with and stuff, but yeah, I don't, I don't really play it anymore. Right. Um, yeah.
0: That got you into Berkeley, though. You were sort of excited about guitar. Yeah, at that I'm point? not sure
3: what got me into Berkeley, but I guess they liked my audition and
0: oh yeah, what you was do
3: worthy. It's like a weird thing that like they ask you to do like a European classical piece and then an original composition and then something more contemporary, and that's what I did. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. really remember. Yeah jazz piece also yeah
0: uh-huh were you in pakistan when you when you found out that you were accepted to berkeley or had you already moved to the united States? i was in pakistan Yeah. oh so how psyched were you like was that so just like bananas
3: beyond psyched. Yeah. yeah it was amazing
0: uh yeah. i mean not that you wouldn't have been psyched if you've been in the states but i've just like to be in pakistan and get the letter or the email or whatever it is it's just yeah it's like of, just to, to be a,
3: accepted at berkeley is like a very major thing it's prestigious you know? yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah totally totally well congratulations on the grammy win thank that's, you that's fucking amazing and i knew you were going to mention it at the set and it was really funny I the way you did that i wasn't that going being, to but it being very, just went there you were being very persnickety about like the monitor guy you know it's like this is our song i yeah. won the grammy and i want my sound perfect and my lights perfect. Yeah, yeah yeah it was funny it was funny everyone i was in the crowd and everyone was laughing it was it was it was a i like moment. to make jokes you do you do you've got a very dry sense of humor but i think if you tap into that sense of humor
3: thank you uh yeah thanks so
0: much for being here Jube. it was so nice to to meet you best of luck to you congratulations on the grammy thank you and uh, i look forward to seeing you again soon
3: absolutely cheers
0: bye thanks for being on red Kids. Okay. That was a Rouge off top live from the pitchfork music festival that just occurred last weekend. Uh, July 15th through 17th at Union Park in Chicago. What an extraordinary festival and an amazing array of artists, uh, artists uh, including, of course, Aruge. She is just an extraordinary artist. Uh, her last album, uh, Vulture Prince from 2021, uh, was given uh, the best new music stamp of approval from Pitchfork Media. It was just an, uh, just an amazing album and um uh, the, the, the festival is just such an amazing place. I always learn so much about, um, new artists that are artists that are new to me. And I would encourage all of you to, to try to attend pitchfork. It's just an extraordinary, uh, array of indie and alternative artists. And, um, I'm so happy to be able to bring these interviews to all of you. And this, uh, this in-person format really, uh, lends itself, I believe to, uh, to learning more about an artist vibe and personality, uh, uh, just kind of being in front of them on a one-on-one basis. And, uh, you know, I just love bringing that to all of you uh, amazing listeners. And um, it was also great to meet so many of you while at the festival as well. Uh, that was just a real treat. And I thank you all for your support. And I want to a, send a real special thank you to Jacqueline Ullman and Zoe Hines of Grandstand Media for helping uh, me pull all these interviews together for me. Uh, they just do an extraordinary job. Uh, especially for, um, uh, organization of interviews for this festival, as well as all the other interviews that they, uh, that they help coordinate for me. Um. I'm going to continue this, uh, this trend of in-person interviews next week. I'm headed out to Newport Folk Festival this weekend and doing uh, another set of a bunch of in-person interviews there, and I can't wait to present that special episode for you as well. But in the meantime, I want to thank all of you for your support, and thanks for being along for this special episode. Um, if you have thoughts, comments, concerns, I'd love to hear what your thoughts were on this type of episode. Uh, you can contact us at info at roadcase.com pod.com And of course, uh, don't forget to follow us on the socials, especially on Instagram, which really helps out the show, helps the show out a lot. Our handle is at Roadcase Pod. And I want to send a special thank you to these three amazing female artists, Aruj Offtob, Senia Rubinos, and Kaina, for being here on this episode of Roadcase. Thanks again so much for listening, and I'd like to encourage everyone to get involved with Roadcase. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can email me at info at roadcasepod.com with questions, comments, and even suggestions for guests, or you can follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at Roadcase Pod, and we have a YouTube channel called Roadcase Podcast, and of course you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform, and if you could please rate and review the podcast while you're there, that would be great. So I want to thank Waltzer for this awesome theme music that we have. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to Roadcase. We have a lot of great episodes coming up, so I'll see you on down the road.